Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, the Oak Ridge National Lab and the Y-12 security complex have really been an integral part of East Tennessee since the early 1940s. The entire town was built around supporting the lab during the Second World War. And the DOE has evolved its projects and its presence throughout the decades. Has an unbelievable impact economically here in East Tennessee. And now, both ORNL and Y-12 draw thousands of employees, contractors, and visitors every year to, to the Knoxville area. Over the past 78 years, the lab and security complex have been an integral part of the economy and the history of our area. And our guest today is Mr. Ray Smith. He is historian for the city of Oak Ridge. Ray worked for Y-12 for, or at Y-12 for nearly five decades as the Y-12 National Security Complex historian. He writes a weekly column for the Oak Ridger, and he's helped to document the history of Y-12 on film. Ray was awarded the National Nuclear Security Administrators, Administration's Administrator's Distinguished Service Gold Award. And in 2019, he was selected by the East Tennessee Historical Society to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award for Community History. So definitely, the guy dialed into the history of Oak Ridge is with us in studio today. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Good to be with you. It's great to have you with us. So uh, let's dive into Oak Ridge. Okay. Um, Oak Ridge was built in World War II specifically to house the workers who developed the uranium and plutonium for the atomic bomb. And it was kept secret for most of the United States, and it came to be known as the Secret City, mm-hmm. I guess. I guess people had to know about it to call it the Secret City, right? <laughs> uh, the Secret City is a recent invention that we oh, made yeah. back then. That wasn't uh, that wasn't in the vernacular, okay. but uh, we've used that term for for the oh probably twenty years to promote the idea of Oak Ridge being a secret city. Uh, the interesting thing about Oak Ridge is. Uh, it, yes, it began back in the uh, in the early forties, actually in the late nineteen forty two, when they started the Manhattan Project. General Groves uh, was given the assignment to lead that project, and his first uh, trip that he took days after being given the assignment was to come to East Tennessee. And if you read in history books and and think about how this place was chosen this yeah, part of East the world Tennessee. would Oak Ridge have been the day, you know <laughs> yeah, right well, outside of Knoxville you, yeah you'll read that it's it's inland from the sea so they wouldn't wouldn't fear attack from the sea uh it's a, a rural area sim, you know somewhat of a rural area ridges and valleys the lay of the land one of the things that made it attractive was its proximity to Norris Dam Norris had just been completed in 1936 so that was a source 
source of electricity for what was going to be built there. But what may be closer to the truth of how the place was selected is when Albert Einstein wrote that letter to President Roosevelt saying Germany's buying up all this uranium ore and they was afraid they were trying to build a bomb out of it. Roosevelt knew it would be an expensive undertaking. So he put General Groves in charge of the Manhattan Project. Groves had just finished building the Pentagon, so he knew how to put a large construction project together. He knew how to get private industry involved, (laughs) and he knew how to spend money. So President Roosevelt also called in Senator McKellar, and he said, Senator, I need to put a large amount of money against the war effort, and I can't let the press or anyone know how much it is or what it's being used for. Can you help me with that? (laughs) Senator McKellar said, yes, Mr. President, I can do that for you. Just where in Tennessee are you going to put that thing? That's pretty funny. <laughs> now, that likely had more to do with East Tennessee than anything selected, else. Than any lay of the land, proximity to the dam, or location. But all that stuff kind of came together. And I guess the topography <clears throat> well, they laid kind of hides it a little bit. Yeah, they laid the plants down in the valleys. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the ridges on either side. Uh, but uh, and and if something happened to one of the plants, it wouldn't affect the other, or it wouldn't affect the, the city because the ridges do protect it uh, from one another. So tell us about the beginning of Oak Ridge as a town back in the 1940s. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, Senator McKellar also had some involvement there. There's a man named Lester Fox. Lester's still alive today, so I know this story is true. He's the patriarch of the Fox Automobile dealerships in this area, but in 1942, he was a sophomore in high school at Oliver Springs, a little community just north of Oak Ridge, and he was skipping school. Him and his buddy were playing the pinball machine. When they got through, they were walking down the main street of the little town. They walked by the telephone office. Telephone operator leaned her head out and said, Lester, go get the principal. He's got an important phone call. Now, Lester's skipping school. But he does. He goes and gets the principal. Principal comes over and takes a phone call, comes back to the school, calls all the students together in an assembly, says, I've just gotten a phone call from Senator McKellar. He wants me to tell you to go home and tell your parents you're going to have to find another place to live. The government's going to take your property for the war effort. Now, Lester swears that's the way these 3,000 people first learned they were going to have to get off of 60,000 acres in order to make room for the Manhattan Project. Many of them didn't have automobiles. They didn't have trucks to move their belongings. If they had a car, they might not be able to buy gas for it or tires. Those things were rationed. But what they did have was young men in the military getting killed. So they wanted to do anything they could to stop that killing and end that war. So they got off their property, many of them in a matter of days, in order to make room for the Manhattan Project. Now, this was in September, October, when Groves came down here by November. Of 1942, they started building um, the oh, first wow. buildings in in Oak Ridge. Now, it there, was built in just, a, just a matter of about 18 months. You saw a lot. I mean, by uh, August of 1945, Oak Ridge had 75,000 people living in it. Fifth largest city in the state of Tennessee, and it wasn't on any map. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how, you how see many why those, it's Secret City. <laughs> yeah, so how many of those 75,000, though, were working with through DOE? 
Uh, it wasn't DOE at the time. Right, it was the Corps what? of Engineers, Army Corps of Engineers. And those 75,000 were living in the city, but they're the ninth largest bus system in the nation, 850 buses. They were going to cities all around the area, as far away as Chattanooga, bringing people in to work there in Oak Ridge. So there were even more people, 75,000 people living there. But eighty to a hundred thousand were coming in to do work. I mean, huge operation going on there. How much? You know, I wasn't born then, so how? You <laughs> know, just heart. to help me. <laughs> That's right. I'm getting older, but yeah, I wasn't born in the forties. <laughs> but um, you know, it's so, it's proximity to Knoxville, right? About twenty miles. Yeah. West so what? What kind of? Uh, <clears throat> like, ha- uh, were there just a lot of whisperings in Knoxville, or how much understanding was <laughs> oh, there in Knoxville that, what was going on uh, twenty not, miles yeah, away? Yeah, the people in Knoxville didn't understand. They knew something was. They going just saw on activity, there, yeah. right? Well, there were gates on the roads going in. So, for on all, there were seven gates surrounding the the city of Oak Ridge for nine. Actually, for seven years, from nineteen forty two to nineteen forty nine, it was a closed city. You couldn't get in unless you had a badge or a reason for being there that you could make arrangements to get in. But you couldn't just drive into Oak Ridge. Now, on March the 19th of 1949, they opened the main roads up to the city, and they let the public in. Now, at that time, they had built the three gatehouses that you see there today. The one to isolate the graphite reactor, the X-10 graphite reactor that became the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. The other one to isolate the Y-12 plant. It was the electromagnetic separation plant at the time. And then the other one for the K-25 gaseous diffusion plant. Uh, so those three gatehouses are still there today. When you drive into Oak Ridge, if you're coming from the west you'll drive right by the one that isolated K-25. Coming in on the east, if you're going over toward Y-12 on Scarborough Road, you'll drive right by the one that isolated Y-12. So that's when the public was first able to come into Y-12, was in March of 1949. Wow, I have so many things I want to ask about that. Tell you what, we're going to get to our break. We come back, we'll ask some of those questions. All right. Also, as we move along here, we're going to talk about the economic impact of, of... of uh, ORNL. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But we'll get into some of these interesting stories. How has Oak Ridge evolved? How has it not changed? What What is similar about Oak Ridge today that it was, that was there in the 40s? What, what has not changed? So stay tuned as we visit with Ray Smith, former Y-12 employee and official Oak Ridge historian right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more You are listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. 
Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we're visiting with Ray Smith, former Y-12 employee and official Oak Ridge historian. We're going to talk about the impact and really what's been going on in Oak Ridge. It's fascinating to hear these stories. Uh, real quickly, Ray, as we were talking there off air, you know, I mean, Oak Ridge needed to recruit the top yeah. scientists and engineers to the they area. Mm-hmm. And here we are, rural East Tennessee. I mean, they were coming from all over. That's right. How did they get, how, how were they able to recruit these people well, here they, for they, the Manhattan Project? Right. They had to make quick changes. Uh, in other words, build a town. They first started thinking that they would build a town for about 3,000 people. Immediately, they recognized maybe 13,000. And as I said, eventually it was 75,000. They had theaters. They had recreation halls. The schools system was uh, top-notch. General Groves put Alden Blankenship in charge, gave him free reign, told him to build those schools to pay the teachers the same salary they'd get in New York City. Remember, he's bringing these scientists, engineers, they're recruiting all across the nation to bring people in here. And they had to provide, uh, it's a pioneering town. I mean, there was 160 miles of boardwalk laid down because of the mud in the area. But by October of 1943, they had those schools operating. They started the schools and, and, and built them up almost immediately and had them ready for that first year of the school kids. So it was an enormous boom area, building up quickly and uh, putting in place all those things that was needed uh, for permanency. Yet they only built it to last maybe five years, is their their thinking. And, And sure enough, the war ended in 1945. So those people that had been displaced, those 3,000 people, don't you know they thought they would get their farms back after the war ended? No, the Cold War started almost immediately, and Oak Ridge continued to have a mission uh, up until today. That's right. Well, so how has it changed the most, and what what about Oak Ridge do you think has stayed the same? Mm -hmm. Well, the pride in what we do for the nation and for the world, uh, it started out to win this war and uh, this awful killing war. Most people killed in any war in the history of the world, World War II, and uh, they needed to stop that. Oak Ridge played a crucial part in that. Sixty cents of every dollar spent on the Manhattan Project was spent in Oak Ridge, and that was to produce the uranium-235 that was needed for Little Boy, the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima, and also the X-10 reactor proved that you could produce plutonium in a uranium reactor, the other material needed for atomic bombs. Now, they went out to Hanford, Washington, and created those three reactors out there that produced the plutonium. Oak Ridge only produced a small amount just to prove the principle. But the thing about Oak Ridge and this reactor that you need to recognize is by 1946, wars ended, this reactor is still out there, and it has much more potential than just proving you can produce plutonium. These uh, uranium separation units over at Y-12 called calutrons, they separated the 235 uranium from the 238, but they're just mass spectrometers. They can be used to separate any thing. So immediately they recognized if we separate other elements in the periodic table, some of which went over to the graphite reactor and were made radioactive, 
we produce in Oak Ridge the first nuclear medicine, radioisotopes. Oak Ridge has continued to provide isotopes for nuclear medicine, for industry, for agriculture, all throughout the years, even to today. Now, these calutrons at Y-12 operated until 1998, one set of them, producing those stable isotopes. So the the... The science, the equipment, the things that were put in place for the Manhattan Project not only ended the war, they introduced the nuclear age in the form of nuclear medicine and uh, the scientific research that was done at the laboratory over the years. And Y-12 has produced the secondaries, that part of the nuclear weapon that has the uranium and other materials in it. They produced them for all of the nation's nuclear weapons. Tens of thousands of them during the Cold War. Literally broke the Soviet Union's economic back because they tried to match Y-12 one for one and couldn't do it. So the impact of Oak Ridge to the world started out very, very important, has continued to be enormously important. And even today, the things that are being done in Oak Ridge have worldwide impact. Well, you talk about global expertise and innovation. It's just shy of 2,300 patents and licenses that have been created over all those years. Yes. It's pretty amazing. Right. That comes from an economic study that's done periodically that shows the impact of having the Department of Energy in this part of East Tennessee. It's not just an impact on Oak Ridge. Of course, Oak Ridge benefits from it, but the impact goes throughout the state. Um, Enormous impact. Uh, Ultimately, the calculation is $5.6 billion of economic impact brought into the state of Tennessee by having the Department of Energy. Which is a phenomenal number. Phenomenal number. It absolutely is. Impacts 50 of the 95 counties have something that's going on that's related to supporting the Department of Energy in Oak Ridge. Yeah, wow. Let's let's shift for a minute. If you... um if you were a visitor coming into Oak Ridge, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where would you recommend that visitor go to see all that Oak Ridge has to offer? I mean, there's great museums, tours, restaurants. What would you recommend? Oh, that, that's easy. Thank you for asking that. I routinely deal with that. We have people coming in almost daily. In fact, it is daily. Uh, one of the things that's always highlighted is the American Museum of Science and Energy. And out of that museum, there is a DOE public tour that runs from March until November. And that goes to the three sites. It goes out to the uh, Y-12 History Center in the New Hope Center. It goes over to the Oak Ridge National Laboratory to the graphite reactor, stops at the New Bethel Church to give them a taste of what was before Oak Ridge, and goes around by the K-25, which is now East Tennessee Technology Park. And oh, by the way, there's a new history center being completed as we speak out at the old where the site for the gaseous diffusion plant was, the K-25 site. It'll be opening up probably in January, and that'll be another stop that we'll add for people. And then when they come back into town, uh, I always recommend that they not only see the American Museum of Science and Energy, but they go to the Oak Ridge History Museum, which talks about the people history, talks about the actual city 
history, and that's in an original Manhattan Project era building, the Midtown Community Center. And finally, and maybe most importantly, the new Manhattan Project National Historical Park is uh, located in Oak Ridge. There's a location in Oak Ridge in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and Hanford, Washington. But here in Oak Ridge, it's located in the, the Children's Museum of Oak Ridge, and uh, their welcome center is there. Uh, the Flat Top House, that's one of the real, uh, it, it is authentic uh, housing in Oak Ridge. Uh, that's up at the Children's Museum. And then, of course, you ask about eating. Now, while it doesn't reach back to the Manhattan Project, I can't talk about Oak Ridge without mentioning Big Ed's Pizza. Everybody knows about Big Ed's Pizza if you've been here for any kind of time. And also the Soup Kitchen, which both Big Ed's and the Soup Kitchen are located in original Manhattan Project structures. And there are other restaurants throughout town that uh, that I could just name a whole list of them. Any of them and all of them are are very good. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating stuff. I mean, you know, I grew up here and I've not thought... You know, I didn't know I could do all that. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's something that we call ourselves a secret city, but sometimes yeah. we keep too many yeah, secrets. Yeah, too many secrets. <laughs> yeah, we should well, be letting more people know that how easy it is to see Oak Ridge, and and uh, and we're getting there. We're we're promoting it. Our Explore Oak Ridge with Katie Jet. She helps us a lot by putting together brochures that talks about all of the things you can do and see in Oak Ridge, and there is a visitor center. Uh, located in the Chamber of Commerce there, the Explore Oak Ridge Visitor Center. And if people come there, she will send them to all those places that I just talked to you yeah, about. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, I tell you what, Y-12 still works with some very hazardous materials, and the federal government began decan- decontamination of the site in the 1990s. And an article in the Chattanooga Times Free Press on Wednesday of this past week stated that the U.S. Department of Energy is attempting to weaken standards for remediation at the Oak Ridge Reservation Superfund site in Tennessee by constructing a new landfill to dispose of the buildings that are being torn down. And I want to get into, it's been kind of controversial, so we're going to get into that with Ray and get his perspective on that. Is that dangerous? Is it not dangerous? Is it overblown? What are his opinions of that discussion? Because it is very important as Oak Ridge moves forward in the entire East Tennessee area. We'll also have our dollars and cents segment Charitable giving across the United States is down due largely to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. I'm going to talk about the importance of giving in your financial plan and how you can be strategic and wise about how you give those dollars to save on your income taxes. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We 
weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're visiting with Ray Smith. We're talking about the history of Oak Ridge. It's really quite fascinating. One thing that came through very clearly to me in that last segment was the pride. And he talked about that as being a constant since the early 40s. The pride of Oak, of people that live in Oak Ridge and are part of that community. Uh, and I see it with the people that I know from Oak Ridge, and it's quite evident as to why that is, and it, with all the stuff that's been done there over the years. In a moment, we're going to talk about how Oak Ridge uh, disposes of hazardous material and some of the controversy that's come up recently. However, before we get time to Ray Smith, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Charitable giving is down since the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was enacted in December of 2017. Uh, So in 18 and so far 19, it is down. And... Uh, I think there's two important, well, there's several important things to understand with charitable giving. Uh, One is, I think, we need to give because there are plenty of people around us and in just here in East Tennessee, much less all over the state and the country and then even all over the world that, that just don't have it nearly as fortunate as we do. And it's important to give to those that are less fortunate. And then number two... Um, I think the power of giving in a financial plan uh, should not be underestimated. It's extremely powerful, and I think a lot of it has to do with our relationship with our money. Um, You know, it creates, you know, money life balance is so critically important in this life. You know, J.D. Rockefeller was asked once, how much money is enough? And his answer a little bit more. When the money is the purpose and the goal, it's never enough. And so money-life balance is such a critical thing to balance. And we were surrounded by material things and chasing success and keeping up with people. And I think what giving does is, you know, when you follow your heart when you give, it helps keep money and life. It, it helps you with your relationship with money, keep a healthy balance and perspective on the money because you're giving to people and to causes that need that more than you do or that are very, very important causes. So I think it's critically important. So I think, number one, you need to do it because it's going to improve the lives of people around you and it's going to improve your life. Now then, second, we need to make sure that we're being strategic about it We absolutely want to get every potential tax benefit we can. And one of the problems is 
fewer people are getting tax breaks from their donations to church and charity. According to estimates from the Tax Foundation, 14% of taxpayers will itemize deductions on their 2019 returns. 14%. It was 31% under the old tax rules in 2017. So 20% of the country lost the ability to deduct charitable contributions. So again, we shouldn't do it because of the tax benefit, but we should be strategic and try to take every advantage of the tax benefit that we possibly can. Um, and charitable giving fell 3.8% on an inflation-adjusted basis in 2018. So about 4% reduction in charitable giving. So it's a dangerous area, I think. So a couple of tips to be smart. Um, tax planning is about looking to the future and being smart about how you th- do things. So bunching charitable donations heavier into one year and then not doing them the next. And then being smart about how you pay your property taxes, for example, and when you re- buy a car or a boat because of the sales tax deduction. This type of tax planning can put you in a position where you are itemizing every other year. So instead of taking a $24,400 deduction every year, you're doing 24 for one year. And then the next year, maybe you're doing 30 or 35. Then you go back to 24, then to 35. So you're getting an extra eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 deduction every other year. Now, if you're given to a lot of charities or churches, or you're worried about the, the charity, you know, Jim, they need my money every year, rather than bunching all that together, you can set up a donor-advised fund. A donor-advised fund is a charitable fund that you set up, you fund it. It is an irrevocable gift. You take the tax deduction in full when you fund it, but then you're in control of the investment and the ultimate distribution of that money. So let's say you're giving, you know, 10000 a year to your church. Just as an example, you could put 20000 in there this year and give 10000 right away to the church and then leave the other 10 in there and give it next year. So there are a lot of tools we have to be successful with how we time things. And then, and then if you're over 70 and a half, you've got to be doing qualified charitable distributions. You're able to do something at your age that no other taxpayer is able to do, and that is take a tax-free distribution from your IRA. Only people 70 and a half can do it. You give it directly from your IRA to the charity or the church, and it comes off of your page one taxable income. If your minimum distribution is $20,000 and you give 5000 to church or charity and it's made out directly to the charity, you only pay tax. On, you only have 15000 added in on page one into your adjusted gross income. You still get the deduction on page two. So for those of you over 70 and a half, it's a no-brainer. Everybody else, it's how we bunch things, it's planning them, it's using the advantage of a donor-advised fund if that's what we need to do. You've got to be smart. So, you know, number one, do it because it's going to improve your life and the lives of people around you. The power of giving. And then number two, be very smart and strategic about taking every advantage of the tax code that you possibly can. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Check us out online at BroganFinancial.com. You can uh, follow us there on Twitter and Facebook. Hey, our next classes, our college classes are up. 
and you can register for that at my web, website. Uh, if you go to broganfinancial.com, click on classes. My next class at the University of Tennessee, it's the very end of January. I think it's either the 30th or 31st. And, uh, but it's right there on the website. You can click on a link, take you to a, uh, a UT page where it'll show you. You can download the syllabus and see a short video and you can click to register. And then I'm at Pellissippi State in Hardin Valley in March. I'm out in Blunt County in April. All those classes now are open for registration. I would urge you to go there in two two-hour sessions, uh, two successive weeks. I want to give you everything I can so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, a big part of that class because every dollar we can save on our taxes is money in your pocket and you can improve your after-tax return on everything you do financially. So that's one big piece of seven or eight areas that we talk about in that class. So again, go to broganfinancial.com. You can also register for our weekly e-blast where we provide you links to all of our content materials we put out. You can also sign up for a free consultation if you'd like to come in and get a second opinion on what you're doing. This morning on More Living, we're visiting with Ray Smith, former Y-12 employee and official Oak Ridge historian. And I mentioned there before the break, Ray, Y-12 still works with some very hazardous materials. And the federal government began contamination of the site in the 1990s. And there have been some changes of late uh, from the Department of Energy on how they handle what they call remediation at the Oak Ridge Reservation Superfund site. And they're talking about as they deal with this material where they when they tear down buildings they're talking about doing a new landfill mm-hmm. to dispose of those materials in right. oak ridge and it's been kind of epa's come out against it mm-hmm. what are your what's your opinion of what's going on there bring us up to date of oh, what's yes. going on as well i'll be glad to we have the environmental management waste management facility that's over in bear creek valley just west of uh, where Y-12 is located. And it's been uh, a very valuable asset for us. We've, over the last several years, in uh, taking down the buildings at the East Tennessee Technology Park and bringing that into an industrial area uh, that can be reused, uh, by having that on-site disposal facility, uh, we've saved over a billion dollars in taxpayer money that would be used to uh, continue that that demolition and uh, and uh, decontamination of the area. And so, to be clear, previously we've been shipping a lot of that stuff out to the no, desert. No, it's all with. been coming to this. It's demolition from Y-12 that's going to start and what's been going on at the East Tennessee Technology Park. Actually built a road to take it over to that on-site facility. So that demolition that you're talking about, the cleanup, that's going to be starting and actually is starting and has been going on for a while in Y-12 will soon be happening over to Oak Ridge National Laboratory as well. And that's the reason for an additional on-site disposal facility because this one is going to be filling up in the probably in the next five to seven years uh, it will be filled and you need another place now this disposal site is one that is prepared for and capable of containing that material remember you're talking about uranium from the k-25 site 
uh, low levels, that, but of course needs to be protected and needs to be uh, uh, handled properly as it's being disposed of. And in the case of Y-12, the main thing you're talking about there is the mercury contamination that will have to be dealt with in the future years. And then over to Oak Ridge National Laboratory, there are other sorts of contaminants that will need to be dealt with as well. But the importance of having this on-site facility uh, and avoiding that uh, extra cost of transporting waste out to the uh, out west is is an is an ideal solution that we need that needs to be pursued. And yeah, there is controversy over it. Now, what would you it, say to but the But I believe they're working lobby. those out. Yeah, yeah. What would you say to the people that say, "Oh, it's not safe"? Oh, I would say you're absolutely wrong. Okay. It is safe. Yeah. I, I mean, I live right across the ridge from it. I have no concern. Now, i tell you what, when we come back, we're going to talk about the largest construction project in the history of the state of Tennessee with the uranium processing facility and what that means for East Tennessee. We're going to talk about renewal energy as well. So stay tuned as we visit with Ray Smith, former Y-12 employee and official Oak Ridge historian, right here on More Living on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan if you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement and now here's senior market advisor magazine's 2011 national advisor of the year and host of more living jim brogan welcome back to more living here on news talk 98.7 W-O-K-I, I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and each year, the Department of Energy generates over $2.2 billion in total personal income through more than 34,000 jobs that DOE supports across 50 counties in the state of Tennessee. It's a remarkable economic impact, and recently... Uh, Y-12 National Security Complex has begun constructing the largest construction project in the history of the state, a $6.5 billion, with a B, $6.5 billion uranium processing facility. Uh, Ray, will, pros- will projects like this uh, maintain steady growth? What, j- j- mm. From your perspective, sure. talk about the impact on this area yeah. of what's going on there. Well, uh, in fact, that is the largest construction project in the history of the state after the Manhattan Project. Stop and think about that. But it is huge, and it's coming right up out of the ground now, and uh, it's amazing to watch it happening. Uh, It it will provide uh, for the uh, ability for Y-12 to continue for the foreseeable future to disassemble those nuclear weapons that are coming back secondaries come back to Y-12 and the storage facilities there. The uranium mission for Oak Ridge and for Y-12 has been at the at the heart of what Y-12 has done throughout the Cold War and, and it will continue to be the center of excellence for uranium for the nation. And even when you find uranium in other places 
around the world that need to be protected. The Oak Ridge National Laboratory and Y-12 form, have formed a team that actually goes anywhere in the world and makes sure that terrorists don't get a hold of that material. But it comes back to Oak Ridge, and it's properly handled here uh, at the Y-12 facility. So that uranium processing facility uh, is very important, and it is on schedule. It is coming uh, coming along just as planned. Will be operational by 2025, and so it, it it's a huge it's a huge undertaking, but it's vitally important for the nation. So uh, it it's good to have it here. It and obviously it there's lots of jobs associated with it, and it's construction. And, uh, again, biggest construction job in uh, history of Tennessee. And so it'll continue driving and having a huge impact on us economically here in East Tennessee. You bet. Now, with climate change and with all of the focus on our climate, that uh, renewable energy has become an integral part of the discussion. How does DOE look at renewable energy Mm -hmm. and potential programs in the East Tennessee region? Well, the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, uh, a basic science, largest one in the the Department of Energy uh, system, has a a significant amount of effort toward uh, research in energy and renewable energies, also in basic materials, neutron uh, science and of course the <laughs> most uh, powerful supercomputer in the world. Now that's where you can really look at the reality of climate change when you get into that supercomputer and you can build models that talk about what the impacts are in in realistic and visual terms. You can see the facts of how climate change uh, is developing over time. And and again, uh, all of the energy sources are are very important to us as we look to the long term. What what are we going to have beyond fossil fuels? Uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratory is leading the effort for the uh, uh, ITER, the fusion energy research. They call it ITER. That uh, is over, building over in France. That's being managed by the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. It has the lead role in that. And, uh, again, the renewables that you talk about, that research is also being done at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. So when you think about those things that impact our daily life, those things that impact our future, the environment that we're going to be finding ourselves in, Oak Ridge is right in the middle of working on many of those things that will impact us for the foreseeable future and beyond. Yeah, really continued leadership in global expertise and innovation, really. All right, you bet. Uh, one thing I want to mention quickly, we're about out of time, Ray, but in 2014, you worked on the efforts to get the National Historic Park designation yes. for the Manhattan Project. Right. Did this Took a 10-year effort to get that. But yeah, it, did it change really the proud. way the public and government view the area and mm-hmm. what impacts is it having? Uh, the Manhattan Project National Historical Park is a jewel. It is for Oak Ridge. It's the greatest thing for our heritage tourism that come along and uh, we've got uh, rangers there on site uh, again their visitor center is located in the children's museum uh, of oak ridge and uh, people can come by there and get their their national park passport stamp they can uh, they can tour the facilities uh, they're going to be an integral part of those doe public tours that i talked to you about we'll have rangers on those tours you're going to see uh, you're already seeing a lot of presence there they do programs down at some of those gatehouses talking about the spies in oak ridge and things that are intriguing to know not not now but spies that were here back during the manhattan project but anyway the manhattan project national historical park has a very 
prominent lead role in telling our history. They do it so well, and and they do it for the visitors coming to Oak Ridge daily. Yeah. Ray, what's the easiest way to follow you? You're just uh, full of energy and enthusiasm <laughs> and knowledge about Oak Ridge. What's the easiest way to, for people to follow your uh, ride? Well, I, I spend a good bit of time on uh, uh, on the social media talking about what's in Oak Ridge Facebook uh, and on Twitter. So you can see those kind of things. But you also, I've got a website, dracemith.com. And uh, also the um, Explore Oak Ridge in, in our, our visitor center in Oak Ridge is very knowledgeable about what we can provide. Uh, I routinely do step-on tours, travel buses coming through. Uh, they'll arrange for me to meet with them, then I'll take them to the various museums and uh, make sure that they see the things in Oak Ridge, like the International Friendship Bell that we have that's located in A.K. Bissell Park. It was actually cast in Japan. It's an 8,000-pound bell. It's a huge uh, icon for Oak Ridge now and, and promoting the friendship that exists between Japan and Oak Ridge. We have exchange students coming in from our sister city of Naka, Japan, and they always want to ring that bell. So visitors to Oak Ridge can do things from the bell uh, they're ringing the bell. They can go by the Secret City commemorative walk and learn about those seven years when Oak Ridge was the Secret City. The American Museum of Science and Energy, Oak Ridge History Museum, Children's Museum of Oak Ridge, Manhattan Project National Historical Park, Y-12 History Center, and soon lots to be the K-25 History Center. Yeah, so lots of ways. Come on to Oak Ridge and see us. Yeah, lots of ways to be plugged in there. Again, you can follow him at D. Ray Smith. That's letter D. Ray Smith. Dot com. Thank you, Ray, so you much bet. for kind of taking time out of your busy schedule. What a fountain of information well, and enthusiasm. As we've discussed the history of Oak Ridge and its incredible economic impact and where it's headed and moving forward as well, because a greater community provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Colin, running the board. Check us out at broganfinancial.com and follow us and get our weekly newsletter e-blast. And thank you for tuning in and helping us make a more living. News Talk 98.7's number one listen to weekend show. Have a great week. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.